welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your co-host. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you know you were hosting this time? <laughs> how am I ho- How am I hosting this time? Because <laughs> I said I was the co-host. <laughs> I'm Kelsey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a long fucking yeah, day. Kelsey's had a long day. And I'm also a writer for your entertainment corner. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Who are you? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> uh uh Mark Salcedo. Uh, I haven't had an a, a a day as long as Kelsey. Um but I am the senior editor and writer at Screengate. Mm. Mm. I prefer that noise out of all the ones that you make. Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> You make a lot of noises. <laughs> Stuff like that. Our favorite one right now is um Alright. And then I try to teach you about desks. Desks. There. I said it. Alright? Yeah. Alright, alright. First try. and so it begins. What does? I don't know. Our deep dive into insanity? <laughs> yeah, but that's been gone going for a I while. I know. <laughs> and so it begins. And begins. And begins. And begins. And so it begins. Eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal. Two E's in real. You can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. If you could please review us, we would love that. Uh, anywhere that you listen to our podcast, then we'll get some attention that we will deserve. Hopefully not for the wrong things. Um, our segments this week are a recent review of John Wick Chapter 4, our variety time, The World's Deadliest Assassin, and our geriatric cinematic, Gogo 13, The Professional 19... It came out in 1983. <laughs> the Professional 1983. <laughs> Look... My brain, while I was talking, decided to think at the same time. So I was just doing the motion of reading. Well, my brain was like, Golgo sounds like someone's gagging on a dick. <laughs> Mark was terpic. Very mature. Uh, cannon father. Cannon father for father. Jesus Christ. Cannon father. For plot there. <laughs> um, so we went to WonderCon. Uh-huh. It was wonderful. It was... Uh, we, we wondered why this con was still here. And we still don't know. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about your experience at WonderCon? Yeah. Um, I had no money mm-hmm. for... I feel like it's like the fourth WonderCon in a row. Mm. Started with the downer. Go on. Go on. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's always a good time when I go with Mark. Yeah. And we bumped into our friend Judy over at your entertainment corner. Uh-huh. She, uh, she was very determined to be out with everyone. Oh, really? You didn't tell me that part. Well, no, she was. Cause, um, when, yeah, you went to your, so we were doing a round table with. Oh, um, for the cast of a uh, quantum leap. Right. And when we were in the room and we saw Judy was in there and you went to your table and I was talking to her mm-hmm. 
And she was saying how um, it's been a long, like, road to recovery for her for her hip, and mm-hmm. um, she's still not through it, but she's pretty much able to kind of get around as long as she yeah. can like use a scooter. Yeah, I, I did notice that she was wearing like a leg brace mm-hmm. um, when she was walking out of the out of the uh, press room, um, and the, yeah, I, I saw her on we saw her on a scooter during like the Q. Um, What's it called? The Q&A with um, the cast of um, Quantum Leap. She's pretty much been in lockdown. Mm-hmm. Like, it never ended for her. Yeah, because she's mainly working from home, right? Yeah, like, she mm-hmm. went straight from pandemic to I'm stuck at home because of my hip. Yeah. <laughs> like, it never ended for her. Yeah, and Judy, Judy's a... She's a she's very nice. I like Judy a lot. We've known her for what, maybe like three or four years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, we met her at that variety time event. That's right. We were like cracking jokes at that event. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we bump into her variety uh, time variety time event. <laughs> yes, we had an event for variety time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a it was a variety front front. It was a variety event. Uh, like 10 actors to watch or something like that mm-hmm. that we normally get invited like every year and judy i think we've hung out with judy like twice at those events and normally we'll like bump into her at like wonder cons or like comic con and stuff like that and of course like uh, we've seen each other like outside oh she's uh, been on the show yeah that's right oh my god yeah judy's been on the show uh she was on the she was on the john john bambo John Bambo. <laughs> yeah, she was on our, our review of the last Rambo movie. Um, and we had a good time on that one mm-hmm. as well. Um, I was thinking about that when we saw her, too. I'm like, God, we got to have her back on the podcast. Oh, I know. And I know. your friend James. Oh, um, Zeus? Yeah. I think he's been, he's, it seems like he's been busy a lot. Like, normally, like, we keep in, we keep in contact, like, on social media. Mm-hmm. Um but I think he's like super busy right now, or maybe he's just kind of living his life in like Detroit. But we we should get him back on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, tell him that if he doesn't go on the show with us, that you'll never forgive him, and he's no longer your friend. <laughs> He'll be like, well, "All right, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there's other James, our, our British friend. Other James, yeah. Other James, he's who, not the first one. He's yeah. the other one. <laughs> yeah. That's how you made it sound. Well, we say like, well, I can't say James one and James two because it's like, well, who's no, the first? No, it's Zeus, mm-hmm. and then and James, British James. Okay, <laughs> you can say American James, <laughs> British James. Okay, we'll say Zeus. We'll stick with Zeus, uh-huh. and then James. We don't have to put British James. <laughs> but but I don't call him Zeus because I didn't grow up with him like that. You can call him Zeus. You don't mind. He's the the god of lightning and yeah. thunder. Yeah, that was his. That was his Raver name, Zeus. Mm-hmm. Made sense. He's like a. He's a big fella. You know. How did he get his name? Zeus. I don't know how he got his Raver name. Normally, like when people get their Ravers Raver names, they're given by like a, like a friend or a Raver family or something like that. Mm. I don't. I don't know how he got. Uh, how he got that name, Zeus. After all these years. He, I'm sure he told me, mm. but I might have been just like fucked up. And I'm sure he probably told me like three or four more times. And then I probably was fucked up. Yeah, like that one thing you told me about the girl. (laughs) That I was dying. Oh. (laughs) That's a story for another time. I don't think you'll ever tell that one. It's going to make me sound like an asshole. Yeah. And I I was. I got a lot of making up to do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, anyway, we're at at WonderCon. 
Um, I was there on Friday for a roundtable uh, for the latest Batman animated movie, which is called Batman Doom Comes to Gotham. The movie's all right. Um, and, and we bumped, I bumped into my uh, my best friend, Chris Gore. Uh, he's I'm, not, I'm disappointed I didn't get to see him. Oh, yeah. We were kind of looking for him, too. Yeah, um, because you're like, oh, I got to catch up with him. I'm like, yeah, but did you ask him where he drinks? Because I he forgot. said, I know, it's important to me to hang out with people. It's only important to you to bump into people. Yeah. That's I all like, I need. I like That's, hanging out with people. Well, I mean, he might he might be at L.A. Well, we're in, we're in March right now. Yeah. Okay, so he'll probably be at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, and more than likely, we'll be going down there. Mm. So we might bump into him in a crowd of like 25,000. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to remember what else happened. Oh. <laughs> All right, so two stories. Uh, one, like I said, this happened during the Quantum Leap Roundtable. Um, there was like uh, Raymond Lee was there, uh, Mason Alexander Park. Uh, Our favorite one. <laughs> yeah, Mason Alexander Park. Like they're they're really great. Uh, like in Cowboy Bebop and As Desire in um, what's it called? Uh, Sandman. Um, got a little crush on them. Mm-hmm. Tiny little crush. Um, I feel like. For whatever fucking reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say men because it's a, like they, them. Yeah, they, them. But not traditional females wear makeup better than traditional females. Oh, do. yeah. I've heard I've heard that argument like, before. Like, what the fuck? I've heard that argument before. But I like, I yeah. love it, though. Yeah, like, yeah. They look great. Yeah. You should have you should have asked them for like makeup tips or something like that. No, because I, I bet you they always get like they as in the royal they get. Mm like that kind of question all yeah, the time probably probably like, um, oh, you have a wonderful sense of style you're not straight huh <laughs> punch in the face <laughs> for that one uh so while we're at the round table there was uh kelsey and myself there was this one guy from movie web this lady from i think it's called like Bro- your broadway news or something oh, like that yeah broadway film news or something yeah yeah and then there was another one i don't remember where she was from <laughs> I choose not to, <laughs> but like, so I, I, so I've, I've been at these round tables. I've been to a many round tables, like as my time as a film journalist. And there's normally like a unspoken code of ethic that, or ethics that happens at these things. Normally, like if there's not a decision to like have the, have it go like clockwise or counterclockwise, um, normally like somebody will like, well, ask, if like everybody's quiet, one person will jump in and ask a question. They ask that one question, and then they give a chance for another person to ask that question. Often, you'd be an asshole, like the guy from MovieWeb, who, whenever when it was his turn to ask a question, he's asking like two, two to questions, three questions back to back, back to back, and that's and you're only allowed five, maybe ten minutes with with these they and they'll say 10 minutes but they really give you seven and a half <laughs> exactly exactly and th- and then like there's always a person who gives like two minute warning and just like oh shit i gotta like, get that one in there so this dude was like asking like two or three questions at the same time i was like oh fuck dude like but it's not unheard of right it's just kind of like damn you being a dick the one thing that irritated the fuck out of me and i bumped into another person once and the second time which is at WonderCon, she asked the same question 
to all the talent. And it was the most clickbait, just nothing question. And it was superficial. Superficial, thank you. Superficial. So for those who don't under, for those who don't know the concept of quantum leap, it's this guy who gets stuck traveling through time. He like helps people, and then he like time jumps to like another body. Like does it over and over and over. He like leaps into another body. Hence the word quantum leap. Um, so a lot of time travels involved, and this woman would ask the same question, and always like the same way too, like. You know, guys, I have a fun little question. This is literally her. You know, guys, I have a fun little question for you. Okay. Um, if you can go to any place at any time. Throughout which, history. Throughout history, where would you go? <laughs> and it was like, like that every single time she asked the question. Mm-hmm. And she talked like that to the other girl that was at the table. Uh-huh. Before and after. Like, they, she was constantly talking. And I'm like. You're so fucking fake. Yeah, and there was. Um, let me find. I want to. I want to find the. Uh, I want to find the the EP's name. Um, so like she. So isn't it Dean? It, it's Deborah. It's like Deborah something. Oh no, that that's isn't she the writer? She's she's she is or a creator. She's an EP, oh. but, but she's also yeah she's also a writer. Oh, I thought he was the EP, Dean. Oh no, Dean is EP as well. You can have oh, multiple okay. EPs. Um, I'm trying. Oh, God, I'm looking down this list. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me see. Kelsey, here you talk. I gotta. I gotta find the. Uh, I gotta talk. Yeah. Shit. I didn't come here for that. I didn't sign oh, off for that. Oh my God! Shut up. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting to be in that round table, to be honest. Uh huh. Because you know you got in and I was just gonna sit there and wait for you. Like, come on, there's room. A uh, Deborah Pratt. That's her name. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, because you like, yeah, because that's the thing, like, a lot of times, you know, through, like, a series of email exchange, they'll be like, okay, you know, this is where it's at, You're, we have a seat reserved to you, reserved for you, and, like, that's it. And you can bring people in with you. Most of the time, they just have you, like, the the, per- the person you bring in, um, who's also sharing, like, a press pass, or maybe, like, there is a kid, they'll just have you, like, have that person sit to the side. Mm-hmm. But if there's, like, space on the table, like, how there was at at our round table mm-hmm. i was just like yeah just sit next to me like they're not gonna they're not gonna tell you to leave or kick you out or anything like that um so uh kelsey and i were sitting down and uh it was ernie hudson and deborah pratt deborah pratt is the executive producer and she's also a writer on the show um the two they are two black people Bless you. <laughs> this is important this is very important <laughs> mark why are we talking about people's race <laughs> well <laughs> Because little miss, little miss, you know, quote unquote, film journalists asked that question, and Ernie Hudson, Ernie Hudson gave her this look, and I gave her this look, and Ernie Hudson was like, "How am I going to answer this question?" <laughs> and him and I, him and I had like this same kind of like mental leak, like, yeah, they're like I know where you're going with this, man. Like, he's like considering American history. <laughs> I don't know exactly where I'd want to go <laughs> exactly. or what time. Yeah. And like the table, the, the, the table got a laugh. Like Deborah Pratt was laughing. Kelsey and I were laughing. Like the other people were laughing too. But she seemed uncomfortable. Yeah. Cause it's, 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 it's a, it's a real question, you know, that's been at that a lot of people don't seem to consider like when they're asking like a person of color, you know what, if you can go back in time, where would you want to go? And he would be like, well, no, nowhere, because either I would be, uh, slaved 
I would be enslaved or like shot for just the color of my skin or like all that kind of shit. Well, yeah, like um, it didn't matter. Like the women too. Like when I was like yeah. listening to them, they're like, I go back to the twenties. I'm like, you mean before the right to vote? Yeah, that was uh, Narissa Lee who said that. I I, I know I know it was a couple because um. Did Mason ask? Mason answered the same thing. Oh, okay. And and I, I understand why they would like answer in the way in that way. But they also put that ca- caveat like assuming yeah. the racism or the exclusions yeah. don't exist. The, that the, would be a fun time. Yeah, like the misogynism the misogynism wasn't like running rampant, even though it is now, but back then it was like ten times fold and shit like that. Um so it was just kinda like why are you asking this? I mean, I know why she's asking this question, but it was just like, fuck, do you have to be here? Like, wasting time. <laughs> what about the uh, rest of the interviewing? Um, Did you feel like you learned something? Oh, okay. So, okay. So I asked, I asked Raymond Lee a question. Raymond Lee plays like the lead. Uh, his character is Ben Song. He plays the lead of, of the show. Um, and Scott Bakula is well known for being the lead of the show. Um, so I asked him like a question, like, have you ever, did you ever have a conversation with Scott Bakula to kind of like form, uh, formulate like your character, your motivation, stuff like that. And he gave me straight, he gave me like this dead ass look like, no, <laughs> like that. And I was like, oh, fuck, all right, well, fuck that conversation. <laughs> but I learned something from, um, from Kelsey. Uh, first of all, Kelsey is a great interviewer. Like, she doesn't do it enough, but she is a great interview. Um, a perfect example is, like, when her, myself, and Jay, our buddy James were at Comic-Con. British James? Yeah, British James. <laughs> <laughs> we're at Comic-Con. Um, and there was, like, an impromptu, like, interview with... Uh, do you remember what the guy's name was? I think it was uh, Alexander something. Um, and he was, like... he's The guy like, who plays Bjorn on... Um, on Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Kelsey just, like handles that interview like because like, they asked us like the, the pr was like oh do you want to do you want to interview him and james and i were like we, we don't know what to ask and kelsey was like yeah sure i'll do it and like handled like a fucking boss um so kelsey kelsey um finally told me her secret mm-hmm. and the, the secret to doing a great interview especially from kelsey well well i, I don't want to say specific from kelsey's perspective but the but it seems to really work well is when she interviews somebody. I'm sorry. I'm taking out Kelsey. No, I want you to, I want you to explain it. Okay. What Kelsey will do is like, she doesn't necessarily ask the talent, like, or ask the talent a question that's really regarding the whole show. Not like, no, sorry, the project entirely. It'll be more like, like, what are you doing next? Or like, what, what are the things that you want to do? Or like, did you do the stuff in your career I don't want to outright say at your age, but like, have you mm. done everything you wanted to do? Is there yeah. something new you want to do? Or for like Mason Alexander Park, I was like, is there a genre that you'd like to do? Because yeah. I didn't say it outright, but for for their um, social issues and um, and everything surrounding being gender fluid, like mm-hmm. I think they get pigeonholed a lot. Yeah, into like the gay best friend or the queer friend or like yeah yeah the side character or something like that where Ma- like mason mason alexander park is clearly like want to be a person who's like the lead in a movie or tv show or something like that um and normally when kelsey asks like a 
kind of a personal question like that or a question that's like outside of the realm of like the project like the person just opens up because they're like oh yeah i got got a hug from that one guy oh yeah i can't remember he was in fargo um and he was also in um supernatural for a little bit uh let me see i know what movie he's been in um Um, he was a real interesting guy because he suffers from anxiety and stuff uh let me see i want to find the actor's name um but also i gave some suggestions to deborah pratt because i was like it was really important i had this idea Mm. like do a choose your own adventure for the quantum leap show it'd be really fucking great yeah, and she like loved that idea. Dean did not give two shits about that idea. I think I tell you, I think he was kind of confused by it. And I'm not saying you like weren't explaining explaining to me well enough. He just seems like a person who just wasn't ready to take that information. <laughs> yeah, because like I said, they 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 do these roundtables, they do these interviews, and they have an idea of like, okay, they're probably going to ask like this question or something like related to the show. Yeah, something can be related to the show. Let me just try to figure out the best way to answer it. And Kelsey comes like from the left field of like boom like this like something personal or something that's like within their their practice or their within the purview their, yeah within their purview within their art but not specifically on the shit that they're doing yeah um <laughs> so and, and and here's the thing it's great unfortunately it doesn't work entirely when you're there for a specific show like let's say kelsey just asked like a bunch of these questions and no related to no relation to the show it wouldn't go well with the article just to say for example um but, like, it's great when she has these ideas. Um, so I decided to, like, kind of steal her idea mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, like, set up one question. Like, normally these things you have maybe, like, two questions to ask them. Um, so what I'm going to do now is ask them one, one, ask whoever I'm interviewing one question related to, like, the project. If I only have two, two questions to ask. And the second question is going to be more personal. And that's going to be more of like, oh, okay, I can like still use this in the article, but still like have this person like open up and shit like that. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? I had a, I had a, I was having a really great conversation with one of the EPs or one of the directors for this bat, that Batman anime movie because mm-hmm. he was wearing a shirt from like an anime character that like I really know, mm-hmm. and, he, and I was and nobody caught it, and I was like, oh man, that's Eight Man. He was like, yeah, I'm like, oh man, I love that anime. He's like, yeah, and he would like start talking like back and forth. <laughs> and stuff. Uh, yeah, you still gotta listen to that uh, one roundtable that I did. Oh, with the EP of the resort? Not just, but every. Oh, like with the, the actor too. too. Yeah, that's right. I need to listen to that. Oh, okay. Before we get out of the segment, because we're going a bit long, something funny happened <laughs> specifically to me. Um, so Kelsey and I were we were walking around the con. And Kelsey brought up the idea of like, oh, would you ever cosplay at these at these <laughs> things, at these events? And back then I would have, but like I'm almost 40. I'm like, you know what? Not really. I like to go to these things and like being comfortable and everything. And I, I just don't have the time or energy for that. Like I literally asked you while we were there. Yeah. So um, I think like I believe Kelsey had to go to the bathroom. And I found a press room. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go in there and get, like, a cup of coffee. Because that's what they normally have at these press rooms. They have, like, drinks, little snacks, and whatever. Um, so the guy, there's there's no coffee, but there's a guy who came in to, like, swap the coffee out. And he's, like, doing that and everything. And I'm just, like, waiting, like, to get, to get my coffee. And this dude, like, comes behind me. He's also a member of the press, but he's dressed up, like, as Captain America. And... He like goes, hey man, and I turn around, and look at him. And he says, "Did you intentionally come to this con looking like Joel from The Last of Us?" And I was like, "What?" 
and I I let out like a belly laugh, and he was laughing. I was like, oh shit! And he goes like, yeah, man, you got the backpack on too. <laughs> laugh at that you know what's funny at the Mm. same time you were talking to him Mm. and i was talking to oh no wait it wasn't no this is a different guy guy. this is a different guy okay okay so there goes that one right Uh okay so then we kelsey and i are walking the floor we're walking the the uh, exhibition hall we're just checking out um stuff you check on stuff check on vendors and everything like that and i'm explaining to kelsey like yeah this is how he looks like this is this and everything like that and then as we're walking by, I see somebody who's actually cosplaying as Joel from The Last of Us. And I like, point to him and say, like, I tell her, like, that's, like that's, how, that's what I'm supposed to look like. So then I stop. I walk, <laughs> I walk around to the guy. And they're already, like, locking eyes with me. <laughs> and he's like, hey. He's like, hey, man. I go up to him and say, hey. I'm like, I'm a member of the press. I'm working here. But apparently somebody thought I was playing. I look like Joel. And apparently you got that, too. <laughs> and then what does his, his friend say? I don't know. Oh, uh, his friend. His friend had said. His friend had like said that he saw me walking. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. The guy I was talking to had said like he saw me walking, and he was like, "Oh, I think that guy's supposed to be Joel too." And his friend was like, "No, no. I think he just works here." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> so fucking ridiculous. And I was like, "Holy shit! I'm I'm Joel. That's it." <laughs> you know when. Uh Life imitates art. What? It makes you look like Joel from The Last of Us? Yes. You were wearing clothes, <laughs> yeah. like your regular clothes. And, yeah, and that was in no way intentional. Like, I was wearing, like, I was wearing a flannel shirt, which I normally wear, jeans and, like, boots. But it just so happened to be, like, a green flannel shirt, like Joel <laughs> does. And, a, and I had a backpack. And even the funniest thing was, like, Kelsey actually had the backpack. And if I just put it on, that would have been it. That would have yeah. been sold on it. We should have switched. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, we're going to move on. All right, uh, yeah, <laughs> I knew yeah. you were going to ask me. Yeah. Are we going to move on? Yeah. All right, let's move on. Moving on. We're going to do our recent review of John Wick, Chapter 4. Saying goodbyes. Saying hello. You think your wife can hear you? No. Then why bother? Maybe I'm wrong. going to die maybe not goodbye to you my trusted friend a new day is dawning new ideas new rules new management we've known each other since we were who is this the marquis de gramo challenge him to single combat win or lose it's a way out I don't sit at the table. Your family does. Please pray for me. The synopsis is, John Wick uncovers a path to defeating the high table. But before he can earn his freedom, Wick must face off against a new enemy with powerful alliances across the globe and forces that turn old friends into foes. Directed by Chad Stahelski. It's written by Shay Hatton and Michael Finch. It stars Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Lance Reddick, and Ian McShane. McShane! Oh, yeah, Donnie Yen is Kane. And Hiroyuki Sonata. Hiroyuki Sonata! His name is Shimazu. Shimazu? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, chapter four uh, in the John Wick series. Um, 
been a lot of hype surrounding this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, so, Kelsey, what's your uh, overall thoughts of uh, John Wick Chapter Chapter 4? Loved it. Go on. I'm going to say that I was excited for this mm-hmm. film. Yeah. But I was apprehensive because yeah, I know I didn't quite love the third one. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I think it's just because that fight scene at the end of that one was so long that it made me forget if I liked the rest of it that came before. Oh, that big like shootout scene. Like, yeah, with the all the glass. Oh, yeah, the yeah, glass yeah, that one. Glass. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was one of your biggest issues with the movie, with the third one. And that, that was one of my issues as well. Yeah. Um, but this one kind of leaned hard into kind of being like a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, with the stylized like cinematography. Yeah, the cinematographer, um, his name is like Daniel Lutston, I think that's the guy's name. Um, who's done work on uh, a lot of Guillermo del Toro stuff, like uh, Nightmare Alley and uh, Shape of Water. So you called the style of the film Neo Tokyo? Yeah, like the way how like some of the the lights are set up, like the neon lights, especially like in like Japan, it mm-hmm. reminds me a lot of like Neo Tokyo, like yeah. like the animes with like Neo Tokyo in the setting. Yeah, um, but even in Paris, some of the like mm-hmm. especially with. Um, like it's not really a secret, but the DJ. Oh yeah, that is that is straight up from the Warriors. Is it? Mm-hmm. That that there is, um, it throughout the whole movie, the Warriors, there is a DJ, and the exact, and they do the exact same angle too, where it's like a close up of the lips. They're talking to the mic. It's mm. it's a black woman as well, mm-hmm. and plays like music to like uh, signify like this is what the journey they're going through and stuff like that. This one, this one was a little bit like on the nose, but with mm. uh, with um, the wars, it's a bit more stylized. I think this one was on the nose because again, mm. I feel like it really leans hard into the idea that this is basically a video game, mm-hmm. which honestly it sounds like a negative, but it's not. No, no, it's no. a it, positive. It's all it's a straight positive. It's so fucking well done. Um. I think one of the scenes, mm. and it doesn't give it away, mm. one of the scenes that really made it seem like a video game that mm. really clicked on in my head mm. was there was a fight scene in the middle of like a fucking rave or something, mm-hmm. and the people were all dancing like in very like angular ways, mm-hmm. um, and uh, when they were fighting, mm-hmm. nobody gave a shit. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Like like if you were in a video game, like mm-hmm. nobody was running and screaming. Yeah. Like for most of it. Yeah, and like logistically speaking, it the 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 rave doesn't make sense cuz it's like raining, like there's water constantly coming down on them and stuff like that, which can clearly have like a slip hazard and shit like that. Yeah. But it just it just looks so fucking cool. Yeah. You know, and not like pretentious cool. It just looked like fucking awesome and shit. <laughs> So yeah, that was like okay. This is a video game. Mm. Um. All right. <laughs> I I wanna I wanna get your opinion on on Keanu Reeves. Um. Or I want you to share your opinion on Keanu Reeves. On in this film in particular. Yeah. Well, let, let's say in, in the series in this franchise as a whole. Okay. And the first one, I felt like he really tried his best to act. Mm-hmm. And. The role didn't necessarily need him to be stellar, mm-hmm. and it was like it was good. 
The second one was like, okay, and now they want me to act more like a badass. And I'm like, that's totally not what Keanu Reeves is. So mm-hmm. it didn't, it came off pretty stilted. Okay. The third one, I'm like, oh, I could really see her fucking aging. Yeah. And like, normally I don't care about that. But when you're playing a badass, like you're not playing someone who's like struggling. Like, I feel like, um, what's his name who played in Taken? Oh, Liam Neeson? Yeah, like, Mm. he's not in the role pretending that he's not old. Mm. But it's like Keanu Reeves, yeah, he retired, but it was because he had a a family. Yeah, he had a wife. He had a wife. Yeah. Um, Not because he was getting old. Now he's back, and it's like, oh, he's still not old. Like, no, he is. Yeah, He he moves like he's old. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing, like, um, it would be understandable if you, like, look at that. And I was like, oh, well, he's getting, like, shot at. He's getting beaten up and stuff like that. But even there are times where, like, he's just kind of walking. And it's like, ooh, dude. like He walks like he can't straighten his legs all the way. Yeah. And he walks like a, like, he's lumbering. Like, he's, like. That's true, yeah. Sways his shoulder side to side and, like, his hair is flopping. Yeah. And, um, and his hands are real shaky. That's, and yeah, his that's voice is getting kind of shaky. Yeah. Um. And then in the third one, third one, uh, chapter four, chapter four, mm-hmm. I felt like he was. Um. His acting was better. Mm-hmm. I felt like, despite like him not having a whole lot of I dialogue, know. I think he had a total of like 139 words or something like that. Yeah. Um. It's funny because for how fast he was moving. Mm-hmm. Like, you can kind of tell that they were using deep fake. Yeah. Because I think you said, oh, there were, like, scenes where um, it's mostly him. Yeah. But yeah, I don't yeah. think it was that scene in particular. I think it was a different one. Which scene in particular? The one where they're trying, he's trying to get out of Tokyo. Like, where they're oh, in the, the kitchens and then, you know. Okay. Um, I, I, would, I, would, I would disagree with that. I would say it's more like... I would say it's more like um, the scene in Paris, like that's in the third act. Do you think that wasn't him, or I think I think there's more of a chance that it wasn't him. But I don't know if I can really say say, you know, to that so much because from what I from what I read, that entire scene was like all CGI. Yeah, I I feel like it's more Mm. believable that he would do that one because it's mostly just walking. And going around corners. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, what I was re- like, what I'm referring to is like sometimes like how the CGI makes things look too CGI, but like uh, no, they make things that look real look like CGI because like, there's like a blend that is not like evened out and shit mm-hmm. like that. The reason why I think it was deep fake for most of it in mm-hmm. that other one I was talking about mm-hmm. is one. It looked like his face was deep fake, but mm-hmm. also um, there were times where it's like there's no way he's. There's a lot of flippity dippity shit in this movie uh-huh. where he like grabs someone by a leg and flips them over and he did it like 800 times. I mean, he's, he's, he's the one. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like um, someone else was doing that f- for most of them because mm. every time he would get up, it mm. would take him a minute. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he wasn't, he's not spry enough to continue to do that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, all right. So, let, so let's get, let's get out of the. But but I liked him in this one the mm. most. Oh okay, okay, nice save. Yeah, because I you know I don't hate Keanu Reeves. I just feel like you you're, know. you're just not a fan of his acting. 
Yeah. Best character. Yeah, yeah. That's understandable. I mean, he's not the greatest actor in the world. That's fine. But there's a level of charm behind it. Sometimes. Um, all right. So um, this film's not perfect. The Weakest Link. And the thing with that's this has kind of been, not kind of, this has been the issue with um, a lot of these John Wick movies is that The Weakest Link is always like the script. You know, or like the plot. It's always like a super thin plot. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the first one, it was a guy lost his wife. His wife got him a dog before she died. Or at, she had a dog sent to him after she died. The dog dies. Car stolen. Boom. That's it. Like, that's all you needed, right? Mm-hmm. And the second one, it, it just... It, second one's like a little bit more. And third one's like a little bit more. This one has a bit of more plot to it like the fact that like john is like trying to like get his freedom he has to go against like a member of the high table and all stuff like that which is the per- the member um is uh bill sarsgaard who plays Skarsgård. Skarsgård, uh who plays the market how do you say that marquee marquee there i'm gonna say marquee <laughs> the marquee <laughs> marquee yeah um, I thought he he out of everyone was the most phenomenal one. Oh yeah, he like, he was the best. He was like a straight up like mustache twirling like villain. Like I'll get, I'm gonna kill you, Wick. Yes. Um, but I I actually like how his character. Besides him, I liked Klaus. <laughs> he just like the Klaus guy because he was just like I am Klaus. Like that was it. <laughs> That's another thing that uh-huh. made me think video game. Oh, because it's like a like it's an too M- fucking wild. Like a like an NPC or some shit yeah. like that. It's like a wild card, yeah. Um, but yeah, Bill uh, Skarsgård, um, they really lean into the fact that like that dude was tall as fuck, mm-hmm. and he looked really intimidating. Yeah. Um, there's like a scene where he's like standing next to like Ian McShane, not even standing like standing in front of him, and the dude has to like lean into like ian mcshane and it's like it's almost like an anime villain like he's so the way he's wearing like the double-breasted like vest and shit he's wearing like a five-piece suit and shit like he is in an anime yeah yeah i mean and there there are a number of references within um the john this john wick movie like like i said earlier like it's kind of like a neo tokyo vibe there's even like a heavy reference to like cowboy bebop and like the final episode um that happens like in this movie um so yeah you get like a lot of influence from like that from like like kelsey said like video games there's like one particular scene that's um based off a video game i think it's called like hotline miami or something like that Mm -hmm. and it's like one of we'll get into it further but i'll just say right now it's one of the greatest action scenes ever Mm -hmm. like ever um but um i forgot what was going with this Oh, now I remember. And there's all there's like another reference to like Lawrence of Arabia, mm-hmm. which has like one of the most famous like transitions ever. Yeah. Um. Though it's not it does not done as well, but it's like obvious. Like boom, that's Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Um. Also, the the DJ makes me think also of Cowboy Bebop, even though the media is different. The uh, medium, like. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that being like an episode of. I think that was an episode of Cowboy Bebop. Well, a few point. episodes because they're always like on the radio, like talking, like mm-hmm. almost like "Come on down." Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's how they talk in the head of it. <laughs> Come on down. Blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So, what did you think of uh, the direction by Tad? Tad. <laughs> Chad. Talitsky. Stalski. Stalski. 
What did you think of his directing? I loved it. This dude, and you know what I found out? This this is all the dude has directed is the John Wick movies. Really? Like that's it. And the thing about it is like his directing only got better. Mm-hmm. Like over time, um, throughout like this franchise, like every action scene just got more and more intense and stuff like that. And it did this thing, and John in chapter four, it did this thing where like the acting kind of started not the acting, I'm sorry, the action started like small, mm-hmm. more personal, like like for example, there's like the opening scene of like john wick like on a horse mm-hmm. right it's like all right cool and then it's kind of it like slowly like just keeps ramping up to like a battle in like japan and then like a fight in paris two huge fights in paris that was like totally badass no they had one in uh berlin oh yeah yeah that's right that's right you had the, the fight in berlin uh, and there was three fights in paris that were like totally awesome um but yeah like this this movie has like this whole third act like 45 to like 60 minutes long of just action mm. and like well shot action where there's like medium to like wide shots um it's not like uh, sh- uh what's it called like shaky cam or anything like that it's not it like it relies on like these cool camera tricks but not like these like whip camera tricks or stuff that like like for example like transformers like the transformer films mm-hmm. you know the action can be good, but most of the time it looks like garbage because it looks like a trash compactor just throwing shit around. <laughs> Where this one is like, boom! Here's a static, like here's a static shot, and you're just gonna marvel at all this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, like the dude's directing just got he's got fucking better with each movie. Wait, so the new movie that's coming out from is it from the same creators or is the director gonna be on what mo- what new movie? The Nazi movie. Oh, that's a completely different like director. So, but it's from the creators of John Wick. I think I, it's it's a producer. If I remember correctly, it's a producer from John from John Wick. Because you know it's a, a similar like really cool like fighting thing, but it's like against Nazis. Yes. Um, it's called what? Like Swiss? <coughs> oh, sorry, Sisu. Sisu. It's called Sisu. Uh, um, I believe is one of the producers of John Wick. Uh, I don't know. There was, um, really wanted to call out Klaus guy. He's not on the list. The actor who played Klaus? Mm-hmm. Didn't, <sighs> didn't you say he was somebody? I, I just, I, I was, I, I pointed to the screen. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Look at your face. I'll get to it in a second. I'm sorry. I'll get to it in a second. So, the, yeah, the Klaus guy. Like, I don't like. I don't. It was just like some actor, but like oh, I, I saw you knew him. I know. I saw him oh, in the credit. The other guy that well, you knew. Which other guy? The, the guy at the card table. Oh yeah, that was uh, Scott Atkins. Yeah, uh, legendary uh, action star Scott Atkins. Um, but I still wanted to shout out to, to Klaus. The Klaus. Klaus. Um, I'm Klaus. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the reason the reason I was like, oh my god, is one of the one of the producers for this this Nazi hunting movie called Sisu that's coming out soon. He's a that's one of the producers of Replicas, which is another Keanu Reeves movie that's really fucking bad. Really? So that's why I was like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> to go from Replicas to that, it's a big step up. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, without getting spoilers, what did you think of the action? Um, the action was really good. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really say too much about it. 
I felt like they did their best trying to take Keanu out of the equation mm-hmm. himself so that the fighting would be more believable. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of flippity-dippity stuff going on, too. Uh, it did kind of get a little old towards the end. There, there was. There was a lot of it. Yeah, like, <clears throat> like as, as Kelsey had uh, mentioned, you, you get a sense that, like, um, Keanu Reeves, he's, like, showing his age. And, in, and you can see it more in this film. Um, like some of his, some of his, uh, like some of the kite, the kite, the fight choreography between uh, Keanu Reeves and like the the opposition and shit like that. Some of it did seem kind of stilted because mm-hmm. like he couldn't really move like amount like the amount he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a number, there's a number of times where like, and this is like a lot of action films like fall victim to this, where like one guy goes in and like the hero fights him off, and then another guy's like waiting, and then he goes in and like. The other guy's waiting, and they go in, and stuff like that. There are, like, a number of times it, it does do that. Yeah. Um, but I think it makes up for it when, like, the settings would change, where it would make sense why one person would wait, because either, A, there's, like, a bunch of cars coming, or, B, like, there's a crowd, and they can't, like, get to get to John Wick. Or he really did fuck them up, and they needed to take their, like, get their, catch their win. Yeah, yeah, they had to, like, mend their leg back together and stuff. <laughs> like, all right, let's do it. Um, two other things about the action. They did a mm. really great job of not just relying on guns, but also using swords and knives in a really cool way. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though John Wick is known for guns, and that still is his weapon of choice, but mm. um, they had a lot of like swords and stuff. It was pretty cool. Yeah, there's like a scene, and this is not spoiler, just not spoiler or anything. But there's a scene where he like he uses nunchucks. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that. we haven't seen that in a like a mainstream movie in years yeah. right um i've i've used nunchucks once and they hurt really like really bad i uh, um, as soon as he took those out i was like i wonder how many times he hurt himself with I, I, i'm sure and, and here and, 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 i'm sure there's been plenty of times um and, and here's a here's one of the things you have to worry about when you're using nunchucks even when you hit somebody like wood ones or metal ones even if you hit somebody it bounces back. Mm-hmm. So you can be like, ha, and then it hits you like, ah, like, like you just get fucked up from like trying to fuck up somebody. <laughs> there was that. And then, um, I, some of the issues that I had in some of the other films, which isn't like a big thing, but mm-hmm. I'm happy they didn't do it as much in this one. Yeah. Like, it's not like he got shot a hundred thousand times and was somehow still alive. Mm-hmm. Like he got beat up a lot. So, to me, that was better. Uh-huh. I don't know. What do you think about it? Um, so, yeah. Like, one of, one of the things I keep hearing that people, one of the biggest gripes I hear, I hear is that, like, the, facts that I, the fact that the suits that these people wear are bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, <laughs> but I've, like, learned to accept that. Of, like, that's just part of this world. And, like... And it's not a new thing. Like, yeah, you they, see it in other things, too. Yeah, they established that in part two. But it's, like... Like, it wouldn't look cool if they were just wearing, like, body armor and stuff like that. The, and like, they wouldn't be as agile, either. And that yeah, was yeah. the point. Yeah, it's clearly, like... It's clearly, like, made for style. To, like, look cool and stuff like that. Which it does. It, it does look cool. And I've just kind of gotten to the point where I'm just like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to get past it. It makes sense. Fuck it. That, that's this world. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, 
like you enjoyed like seeing him get like banged up and stuff mm-hmm. there were a, a couple issues i was like all right that's getting kind of ridiculous like how he was getting like thrown around and stuff like that mm-hmm. like there's one scene where he like falls off a second floor and like hits like a light post and then hits the ground mm-hmm. and i was like anybody else would have been dead yeah like I, <laughs> i'm picturing myself hitting it and be like my back is out like that's it i'm laid out I'm like just do it just kill me yeah someone just walks up and shoots in the head yeah and there's like another part where he like jumps out of a window like lands on something and it's just like oh my god dude how are, you, how are your bones not <laughs> broken after that um I get you, like, towards the end, too, mm-hmm. um, with the fight scene on the stairs, mm-hmm. I kind of was like, there's no way any living human being can have the stamina that he does. Well, I mean, when you're, fight- when you're fighting for your freedom, you just have uh, infinite health. <laughs> That's how it is. And infinite bullets, too. Yeah. Um, I actually was thinking mm-hmm. about that when you were talking about the con. Mm-hmm. And you were like, oh, yeah, sometimes you can go into the press rooms and get, like, coffee and something to eat. Uh. And immediately my brain went to, they should make a Roblox room like that, where you play, like, a member of the press walking through the con. And, like, you use your energy doing these things. You have to find, like, the press rooms to get food and, like, drink and, like, level, you know, like, get your health back and stuff. Uh, I'd play that game. I don't need to play that because that's real. It's fun. Not for me. They have games where you're literally making pizzas at a pizza shop. Yeah, and I don't play those games. <laughs> no, wait, I've played a couple. What's, what's that chef game we played? Huh? There's like a chef game you and I played with the girls. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't remember what it's called, though. But like that game is like cartoonish and like fun. Yeah. Like that. But like, as in, in, as in terms of like, I'm just walking around. Let me get some food. Let me go get some coffee. I gotta. I can't find this room. You know, it's just like. <laughs> Like I went through that on like on my first day at Comic Con, I couldn't. I mean WonderCon, I couldn't find a particular room to do these interviews because six people can give me the fucking location of the place. It's meta. It's meta. You know, I was getting spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, we're getting into the spoiler section. We're going to talk about uh, John Wick Chapter Four. I almost said five. Chapter Four at great lengths. Um, so if you don't want to be spoiled, spoil, here's your spoiler bumper right about now. If you guys haven't noticed, I'm sorry if you folks haven't noticed, we're in the spoiler section now. We're going to spoil the fuck out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Kelsey. What? How is that top-down gunfight scene the greatest thing ever? The top-down gun? What? The When he had the shotgun with the dragon's breath? Oh, yeah. How is that the greatest thing ever? I don't... How? How? I li- Well, for me, I liked it because it, as soon as he got the fucking gun, I was like... <laughs> So basically, they made those bullets for him. <laughs> yeah. He's probably like, thanks, guy. Yeah, the funny thing is, like, when they set that up, like, they show somebody, like, using it, like, on a on a, 
like a, on a mannequin that was wearing like a bulletproof um, outfit. Mm-hmm. When I saw that, I was like, "Oh, that's gonna be so cool! Like, he's probably gonna use it like a couple times. That's gonna be so cool." No, 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 no. The director was like, "He's gonna use it, but we're gonna like rotate the camera yeah. to like on top so he can look down and just look at like the like his clearing rooms." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it, not only it was that, it was like track a track shot of the camera just following him around, mm-hmm. and. I sat there and was like, oh my god, like, Kelsey knows... As soon as his thumb goes to his mouth, like, he's, like, thinking about it, Uh like, corner of your mouth, you're like, (laughs) like, I'm like, there he is, analyzing a fucking track shot. (laughs) Every time you see something interesting, but I'm like, yep, track shot, got it. (laughs) Well, like you said earlier, (laughs) like you said earlier, your, your shiny penny thing is, like, Neon lighting, neo Tokyo stuff. Yeah, yeah, when like it's used correctly, when it like conveys emotion and looks fucking cool as well. Mm. My shiny penny is a one take or a track shot. Like mm. I just get sucked up into it because those things are so fucking hard to make, and you have to and like like the fluid nature of it, and mm-hmm. like people like it's a constant like you know point A to point B, but everybody has to be like perfectly <clears throat> in sync to like make it look natural. And Atomic Blonde did one. That's like the only good thing out of that movie. No, I know it is, but yeah. and I think you or somebody said that that movie Charlize Theron didn't do any of the action, but I think she did that one. No, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah she did she that like one. fucked herself up to do it. Yeah, she like really trained for that scene, and she her body got really messed up um, while shooting it. Even during the training sessions, her body got pretty messed up. Um, but see, like with John Wick Chapter Four. Like, they have to move in perfect sequence because Keanu Reeves is, like, coming around with a shotgun. It's, like, blasting and stuff like that. And people have to, like, move in a certain way to make it convincing. The camera has to, like, follow him, not to, like, jump ahead of him or get behind him or stuff like that. And he's, like, going through, like like Kelsey said, he's, like, clearing rooms and shit like that. And <clears throat> the first time I saw it, <clears throat> I was like, this is awesome. And then it ended. I was like, oh, man, that was awesome. And then they did it again. They're like... Oh no, we got more, and yeah. I came twice. <laughs> <laughs> the thumb went up to your mouth a second time. <laughs> yeah, and, to the, and I even like parked up, I like sat up in my chair. I was like, "Oh shit, oh shit." <laughs> See, thumb. Um, I've been telling you what your tells are lately. I know, but trying to like not do them now. <laughs> Instead of putting my thumb in my mouth near my mouth, I'm gonna put like my finger in my eye or something. Right. <laughs> like You're gonna go like this. Uh, yeah, exactly. Kelsey has like her nose between her two fingers. <laughs> um, I feel like I've been talking most of this time. What's what's your take on that on that that scene, that action scene? I loved it. Um, it was really cool to see that perspective, but it also kind of gave me a sense of like you're looking down, but you're moving so much, and like it, there's a lot going on. Not even just with Keanu Reeves, but with other other rooms and other people moving around and stuff that Mm -hmm. like it's really cool and it's done well but at the same time Mm -hmm. i feel like it's a little uh there's a word uh is it a negative word or a positive word because if it's negative i'm just gonna kick you out (laughs) um it's maybe not like quite hard to follow but it's Mm -hmm. it's like trying to watch tv upside down Oh, no, I get you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally, actually, I totally get what you're saying. Because there was, like, because um, when it was setting, when the shot was setting up, because the camera, like, does this, like, 
um, like, like a swoop. Yeah, like this kind of like pendulum swoop, like kind of like slowly like moving up to us like top down. It does get a bit confusing because the camera's moving as well. The camera's moving while the action is moving as well, even though they try to make it as slow and as like evenly paced as possible. Mm-hmm. But there is like there were a couple seconds I was like, all right. I'm kind of lost of what's going on right now. But as soon as, like, the camera set and start following, my eyes adjusted to the movement. And I was like, all right, cool. I know exactly where this is going. Yeah. Um, But I really did like that scene a lot. It was great. Um, Also, I really mm -hmm. like that's that's where, um, what's his name? The the black guy. Oh, um, I wrote his name down. It's not not Cheaty, right? No, it's not Cheaty. Uh, he's the tracker. His name is Mr. Nobody. They didn't even give. Oh, him his name. name is Shamir Anderson. Okay, that's the actor. Um, he pretty much was like, "I'm in this for the money." Mm-hmm. So he sometimes he'd be coming after uh, John Wick. Yeah. Other times he'd be helping him mm-hmm. because he didn't want other people to get the money. Yeah, he he's the one who wants to do the the kill shot. Right. Um, but it got to a point where. John Wick had John Wick had him in his sights and he could have killed him. Yeah. But instead he shot the big guy. Oh yeah. Um Oh his uh yeah, okay, that's the cheaty character. That's Marco okay. Zar uh Zoror. Yeah. He so he shot him instead and I think that's when Because that dude was about to shoot uh the tracker's dog. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, well, obviously John Wick is going to save the dog's life. Yeah. And I think that's when he's like, oh, fuck, I get it now. Yeah. yeah. So then, you know, he's like, all right, I won't kill John Wick. <laughs> um, before we talk about, like, the shocking ending, um, let's let's go over the, the Paris action scene. Um, what's, what's your opinion on that one? Which one? Because you said there were three. Well, okay. So there's three. There was one that was, um, that was not... The, with the cars. Uh-huh. Uh, second one was with uh, the downward, the um, top-down uh, action scene. Mm-hmm. And the third one was like when he was trying to climb up the stairs. So which one do you want me to... The one with the cars. The, the cars? Ro- yeah, the cars going in the circle. Um, I feel like... And hopefully I say this eloquently enough. Mm-hmm. You don't think of John Wick mm-hmm. films being... Um, uh inventive not creating something new probably using like mm-hmm. really cool camera tricks or yeah. like or they try to like make something interesting or something like somewhat new but nothing like wow that's completely unheard of but they did uh, like somehow they fucking up the ante yeah and i feel like they did it really well where they were like fighting with the cars and like yeah. you know the bikes and like using the cars as like blunt objects and shit like that yeah and uh. i i don't think we're gonna see that again for a while because it's mm. one it's probably very expensive mm. it's not very easy to do because how do you fucking choreograph with cars you're not even just doing a chase scene mm. you're choreographing almost like a fucking dance i know that uh the beginning the beginning of the car the car battle scene and stuff like that mm-hmm. was like real um, but like I said, I think um, most of like them like fighting and like shooting each other, like mm-hmm. that was I think I believe most of that was like CGI. They were able to like really get everything to look so well because uh, during the pandemic everything was closed, so they were able to get like a lot of great shots of, okay. of the of the area, and that's why it looks so authentic and so mm-hmm. real. I don't think we're gonna get that again for a long time, if ever. 
if anything, they'll just be imitators. Yeah. Like, people will look at that and be like, yeah, John Wick did it better or something. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they were imitating uh, Lawrence of Arabia. With oh, the, yeah, with the with the matchstick the and the and sunrise. Yeah, I. Um, so I I wrote a review for this for this movie for Screen Geek, and like I would like as I was writing, I was like picturing that scene and everything. I was as I was writing it, and when I got done, I was like, "Man, I can really watch the Lawrence of Arabia right now." And I was watching it before we started recording. <laughs> um. So. I want to I want to talk about that stairway scene. What's up? I just remembered the falling. The fall who? John Wick. Which which which, which falling? He's he fell hard. A few the times. falling, the one on the stairs. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's let's get that out of the way. So yeah, John Wick is trying to climb up these stairs because he's trying to get to that church where like the 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 final like battle is going to happen, and he like falls down. There's a, a few times, and there's one where he like he's he, at the top, yeah, and gets knocked down by Cheaty. Yeah, yeah, and has to like climb up. It, 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 but it was the it was so long. He was no, falling. he's falling down. It was like one flight of stairs. He'd get to a landing, uh-huh. and someone would you know knock him down the next flight of stairs, and he'd fall all the yeah. way down. Uh-huh. And it's not like cut scenes where you like oh you see him kind of fall and like uh-huh. get reaction shots or whatever. Yeah, no, you just watch him fall down the stairs. All two hundred and whatever of them that they because they told you how many there yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think that was Keanu Reeves' fault? No, I'm joking. <laughs> it could not be Keanu Reeves falling down the stairs. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, that was like. No. And then I think we're related now. Oh, because the, when you when you uh, fell down, <laughs> I, actually you're still falling down as we're speaking. <laughs> Did that one trip? Um, I. You know what? I really like that scene because. After everything that was like crazy, that was more personal and like up and close and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Especially the fact that like him and like Donnie Yen's character are like working together to climb up the, to get up those stairs. Um, I thought it was really well shot. He didn't come in until Keanu had fallen down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. He's like, we have three minutes to get up these stairs. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I need you to go up these stairs because I want to save my daughter. Yeah, yeah. Um. Which I have to, I have to give Donnie in. Like I love seeing Donnie in show up in anything, mm. but I, like there's one part where um, Bill Skarsgård's character like says to him, like when they're like, this gonna be the duel scene, and he's like, "Remember this is for your daughter's life." And he goes, "Fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on. Um, I I think you're right about it being more personal. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think this is the part where I was like, how the fuck is he going to do this? Because mm. I think, so two things. Um, when you start getting worried for a character, it's because, like, you know, like, if you put yourself in their shoes, like, mm-hmm. he's got to be winded and weak and, like, injured. How is he going to be able to do anything else? Mm. Um, but also, I feel like that's partially why they chose a duel. Yeah. Because, uh... Because with a duel, he's already done the fighting to get to that that spot. Yeah. Um. So I guess that also made sense. But I was like, "Fuck!" I was worried because I'm like, even though you know it's gonna end, mm-hmm. maybe a certain way. Mm-hmm. I was like, "God, he's not gonna make it. He's he's too tired. He's too beat up." Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> yeah, because you think of you think of this movie and you're like. 
Um, all right, this is a movie that stars Keanu Reeves. This is the hero. He's gonna like come out on top, but that doesn't happen. He actually like dies. Like they actually killed John Wick, right? Wait, he did. Who John Wick? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I've already he- I'm I'm already hearing theories that like he's not dead. Mm. Um, uh, the director has said during an interview, I think it was like with the Hollywood Reporter. He had said that like they actually shot an alternate ending where it's more ambiguous that he might be still alive. But I feel like that still was pretty ambiguous. Yeah, it's depending on how you like look at it. Because he he just kind of like fell over. He didn't like uh, people don't die like that. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's cinematic. They have to they have to make it like that. But also, like he could have just passed out, and then yeah. the, the gravestone could have been. Like a fake out or some shit like that. Or, yeah, like mm-hmm. a fake out and some like symbolize, like, you could either say that mm-hmm. it, it symbolized, like, that's the end of the life that I had. Yeah, the end of John Wick, yeah. Um, like, metaphorically speaking. The metaphorically speaking, like, yeah. like he got his ending. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it could just be, like, he, he killed the husband part of him, and now he's going to continue to kill everybody. Oh, you think I like that? No, I don't think that is. But oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm like Daryl Kelsey making it dark. No, I'm. That's everyone would love that because you know more John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, what? John Wick and John Rambo. Mm-hmm. They could make a movie called The Johns, and they could have a crossover. When you say The Johns, all I think was toilet. <laughs> That's better than what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to see what else. I think that's about it. I was going to talk about like the symbology with the stairs, but I don't really feel like talking about that now. No, I honestly feel like that symbology is like not earth shattering. Was I kind of got it? Well, like I haven't heard anybody. Well, I'll give. Okay, I'll quickly talk about because I haven't heard anybody say this. Um, so I came up with this. I. I I was thinking about the scene with the stairs, right? And they feel like, I feel like what the director's trying to say with the symbology with the stairs is that at the top of the stairs, there's a church. And church is seen as heaven or a place of peace or at least a place where you go when you want to enter into heaven. So he's literally on these stairs getting a stairway to heaven. Now, these stairs seems these stairs seem infinite. And that's what the da- stairways of heaven are looked upon as infinite. And it's not until your time comes where you reach the top of the stairs. Um and he has to get to the church, and because uh, when he gets to the church, he can finally be at peace, because that's all he's been fighting for is peace and freedom. And his death is a symbol is a is a symbology of like he's now free, he's now at peace, and he had to get to he had to get to heaven to like finally rest, and he finally does rest. Mm-hmm. You know, any other time you saw him like like. Um, like in the first one, it was like a fake out that he was dead. He was, he like got up and like walked away, got a dog. Um, how did the second one end? Oh, the second one end, ended with him running. The third one was like another fake out where you thought he was dead, but he was really alive. This is the time you see him actually hit the floor mm-hmm. and like, that's it. Doesn't get up. So it's like his time. Like, like how you said he like left, he left all that he, all that was, that held him down, that tied him to this earth or tied him to this plane. Mm-hmm. Now he's like gone, mm-hmm. like for good. Yeah. So that that's that's the theory I had about that whole scene. Gotcha. 
I honestly like I know that you're all about that, mm. and I and I love that. Mm. But also, I just for for me, and maybe not for everybody, mm. but for me, that's all kind of implied. Like it, it's yeah, almost no, like I, I get you. Yeah, it's almost like um, when you're doing math. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's you doing the work. Uh huh. And like I'm just like, okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like. Yeah, I, I guess I guess it's kind of a way of like, I guess hearing the sound of my own voice, like yeah, that's what this means. Well, let me show well, it off. Probably like solidifies it for you. Not like you're full of yourself, but like to hear yourself talk about mm. it. Yeah, is like you had to get it out because it was like bubbling up inside of you, and like if you get it out there, then it's out there. It's not in you. Yeah, yeah, and I, like and you know, Kelsey and I, we kind of had this discussion earlier um, before we recorded. it. And I was as unimpressed. <laughs> You wasn't as unimpressed. You're like, no, I was as unimpressed. (laughs) That's you. (laughs) Uh, But no, that's like, that's, that's the point of like having like talking to somebody about film, discussing about it, like sharing ideas and be like, oh, I think this would mean blah, blah, blah. While Kelsey just like, no, I get it. That's it. I I saw it, Mark. Duh. I just didn't have to tell you. (laughs) You you called me. I just left you because we were, I was at lunch Uh and I got in my car and you called me. I was in the alleyway. I barely, (laughs) I barely left. What would you? What did you ask? I, I I called you to tell you about like the Neo Tokyo type oh, yeah, lighting yeah. and like all that stuff, and you're like, yeah, yeah, and I was like, all right, probably could have waited, but no, I couldn't. <laughs> you're like, all right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so all in all, do you think people should check this out? Yes, fully agree with that. Um, this is this is a movie that definitely deserves being worth on the big screen or seen on the big screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's what. Yeah. yeah. That's about it. All right, what do we got next? Next, we're going to do our variety time. Hi. We are going to talk about, well, Mark is going to talk about the world's deadliest assassin. Apparently, he's probably not good at his job since everyone knows about him. <laughs> well, there's, there's a reason. There's a reason. I actually tried to find an article about the world's, like, dumbest assassin or, like, worst assassin. But all of them were, like, five dangerous assassins. You know, here's all the list of assassins. Like, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> was it, um, was it the, uh, sniper? What sniper? Kyle something. Oh, Kyle, Kyle right now? No, no. Oh. Something Kyle. Oh, some of the clock, like the clockwork sniper or something like that? No, they made a movie called American Sniper with Brad... Uh, oh, Bradley Cooper. Okay, and he was a sniper. And he killed people. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. You made me work for it, and yeah, then it good, was less good, funny. Good. How does it feel? <laughs> anyway, so I'll try to get this get this through as quickly as possible. There's this article I found on the New York Post, uh, published in uh, April 2019. Uh, the title of the article is um, "Meet Julio Santana." The world's deadliest hitman with 500 kills. This is written by uh, Isabella Vincent. <clears throat> so the article goes: uh, Julio Santana dropped to his left knee and propped uh, his right elbow on his hip, holding firm his r- hunting rifle until he had the man known as Yellow in his sights. It was August 6th, <laughs> 1971, and Santana was 17 years old. Um, in his village deep in the Amazon, 
rainforest where he lived in a hut with his parents and two brothers. He was known as known as a good shot, but he had never um, he had only ever hunted forest rodents and monkeys for food. The man he was about to kill, Antonio Martins, was a uh, or Martins was a 38 year old fisherman with blonde hair and fair skin. Julio had been hot had been watching Yellow under a uh, stiffly hot forest canopy for stifling stifling there you go for three hours and now wasn't sure uh he could actually bring himself to pull the trigger so just gonna let you know yellow was a bad guy yellow had raped a 13 year old girl in a nearby village and her father had hired santana's uncle a professional hitman to kill him julio knew that in and uh the sprawling and lawless amazon locals had taken the law into their own hands uh for hundreds of years so right there opportunity like he's like it's gonna. It's not. It's not a savage kill. It's not like hunting for sport. It's like fuck this guy. Yeah. Um. So good. He'll start with good intentions. Good intentions. Santana was reluctant, fearing that he would go to hell for killing another human being. But when his uncle, uh, Sikirio, explained how Yellow and how Yellow had tricked the girl, promising to take her to see the pink dolphins on the. Takatens river uh river before raping her in his canoe julio began to change his mind to seal his deal <laughs> i remember re- okay okay sorry sorry uh Cicero, to- too sick with malaria to do the hit on his own told his nephew god would look the other way all it took was 10 hail marys and 20 of our fathers after the murder he said that way i guarantee will be forgiven said uh Cicero. Gripping his rifle, Santana stared straight at Yellow's chest as he stood in his wooden fishing boat in a clearing uh, near the river. He knew that as he knew that at just forty yards, he could he couldn't possibly miss his target. When the shot rang out in the stillness of the forest, Santana saw a uh, saw a fleeting look of terror cross the victim's face before he fell dead into the bottom of his boat. Later, he would get rid of the body, gutting his victim, and throwing him into the river where schools of piranhas would devour the remains. Oh, shit. I know. Never in my life will I kill anyone, Lord, he said. Never again. That's a lie. By the way, his uncle's name is Cicero. Cicero! What was it? Cicero? (laughs) You're saying Cicero. Cicero. Trying to make it sound exotic. I thought you were trying to say Sicario. I, it kept popping in my head, like, Sicario? Sicario? <laughs> Even after he had taken five, nearly 500 lives to become the world's most prolific hitman, the look <clears throat> on Yellow's face is the moment before he died would haunt his dreams for decades. Um, so it goes, into the, it goes into the idea that Santana didn't really have like a lot of uh, aspirations in life. Um, uh, they say, like most young men in the Brazilian uh, hinterland, he seemed uh, destined to become a peaceful, uh, sorry, peaceable uh, fisherman lost in the depths of the forest. So, like, there's not a whole lot of to gang, you know, when you're living in that in the forest like that. Um, so, uh, a writer by the name, a Brazilian writer by the name of Cluster uh, Calvacani, uh, wrote in his book *The Name of Death*, which was later turned into a movie. I know Kelsey's looking up, saying like, "How does? Let me make. Sh- let me correct Mark right now." I, I don't know uh, where he left off. Uh, look for the quotation. The name of the name of death. You might see it there. Okay. Hold on. Let me bolt that bad boy. Oh. Yeah. Cluster Cavalcanti. Cluster Cavalcanti. 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 
T. T. Cavalcanti said he came across Julio while reporting on a trip in the Amazon about ten years ago, and it was to like investigate like modern slave labor. Uh, he had said, "quote A federal police officer told me that it was very common in the region for ranchers to contact hired hitmen and kill fugitive slaves." Uh, I told the officer that I would really like to interview a hitman, and he gave me a number for a payphone and told me to call it certain date, certain time. Um, so when Santana uh, answered the payphone and Porto Franco, he was reluctant to speak to the reporter. Um, so the reporter said, I spent seven years convincing him to talk to me about his life. We spoke about everything and just uh, just not about the job. He spoke about his childhood, his relationship with his parents and his brothers, and the quiet life he lived in the forest, as well as the internal drama that he faced when he started working as a hired killer. For his part, Santana, now 64, told the Post in an interview over email last week that while he was pleased with the with the honest way in which the reporter told his story, he was less pleased about the film, you know, glamorizing his profession. So even, like, even the hitman was just like, it's not like that, dude. Like, don't... Yeah, like, I, I don't... It's not glory, and I don't feel that way about yeah. it. And like, if anything, it was like... I mean, <clears throat> murder is murder, but it, like, it was a way to like survive. Yeah. <clears throat> so after the first kill, Santana's uncle offered him up as an assassin for the Brazilian government in the battle in its battle against communist insurgents in the Aguera River. How do you say that? Uh, Araguaia. Araguaia River, uh, base in oh base in the Amazon. Basin in base the in Amazon. The Amazon. Yeah. From uh, 1967 to 1974, the so-called how do you say it again? Araguaia. Araguaia guerrillas tried to establish a rural stronghold in order to topple Brazil's military dictator. Dic, sorry, dictatorship, recruiting farmers and fishermen in their cause. So, like right there, the Brazilian government's like, "Fuck this!" Like you guys are working for us and everything. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you're gonna say something. Stifling a yawn and then failing. Yeah. So in the early 70s, uh, Satana was uh, contracted first as a guide to track down guerrilla uh, encampments. And in one case, he helped capture leftist militant uh, Jose Gianni, Gianni, a law student in one of the guerrilla. Genoino? Genoino, thank you. Uh, it's a Genoino. You said Genoino. Okay. Genoino. <laughs> Uh, so Santana watched in horror as like the soldier spent like all this time waterboarding um, the law student. Uh, years later, um, Janeno became a congressman and president of the Left Wing Workers Party. In an interview with a reporter, he remembered that the boy in the group had uh, cap- had been captured. I uh, had captured him in the Amazon. Julio was barely eighteen at the time. So eighteen, this dude is already like making moves. Mm-hmm. He's like already killing people left and right, right? Um, so Julio was barely 18 at the time. He was partially rewarded for his w- work with a bottle of Coca-Cola. His favorite drink and luxury that his um, impoverished family could never afford. So shortly after uh, the capture, Santana shot and killed another communist militant, uh, a 22-year-old school teacher named Maria Lusa, Lucia uh, Petit. For almost two decades, Petit was seen as simply like she was like disappeared. But they ended up like finding her body in a mass grave wrapped up in a parachute, and it was only after like the family like pressed the Brazilian government of like, like where's this body and shit like that. Yeah. Um. So after civilian rule was restored in Brazil in eighty five, Satana's victim turned from political targets to uh, how do you say that? Larcenous. Larcenous white <laughs> wildcat gold miners and cheating spouse. Yeah. 
oh, you cheat on somebody, you get shot. <laughs> in 87, after he killed a married woman suspected of having an affair, Satana was caught by local police and spent a night in jail. He was released with a bribe, and it was like a new motorcycle. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> um, so it was around this time like Satana had discovered that his uncle was actually cheating him uh, out of his money. Um uh, so on average, Santana said he earned about sixty to eight. That's it, sixty to eighty dollars a hit. Shit. Like I know in that country, that's probably a lot, but Jesus, and this is like American dollars. Yeah. That stills like fuck. That's it. Um, but then again, you come from an impoverished area. You're like, whatever money, you know, I'll, it will help. Uh, which in years he was active would have been equivalent to a monthly minimum salary in Brazil. So he got paid minimum wage per month to kill people. Yeah. See, this this is what I'm talking about. These, like, kids at McDonald's trying to get, like, these minimum wage braids. Just go kill somebody. You get you get the same amount. They are. <laughs> with, them, with them fatty burgers? Yeah. True, true, true. Uh, so after he confronted his uh, uncle for exploiting him for more than 20 years, he just never spoke to him again. He was like, fuck this guy. Um so the article goes, Santana stopped dealing in death. And t- I, like, I like that. Stop dealing in death. In 2006, when he turned 52 and after his wife gave an ultimatum. <laughs> I like that. His wife is like, you know, you got to stop killing people. <laughs> or I'm leaving. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> like, do they have um, hired assassins anonymous? Yeah. <laughs> What's this, the twelve step program for that? I know. Like, just go to the victims, like relatives, like, hey, I'm sorry, I, I, mar- I tar- I'm sorry, I murdered your dad. So what happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if he gets like a coin. <laughs> I don't think he gets one because, like, look, uh, you have to complete the twelve the twelve step program. Uh-huh. There are five hundred dead people, which means an exponentially more number of people that you have to go on an, on an apology tour to. Uh, uh-huh. I feel like this is like John Wick fighting his way up the stairs. Yeah, and then apologizing. <laughs> like, this is him having to apologize, and I think the very last apology he would make uh-huh. would be when he dies. Because <laughs> so many bodies. Yeah, and like it would take him so long to apologize. You know, I saw somewhere, someone did a kill count for John Wick Chapter 4. I think, like, in total, there's like 130... 135, 130 bodies, and all total was like over 300 bodies or something like that. So this dude has already like surpassed John Wick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is what uh, the reporter had wrote. Um, either he gave up that life, or he could forget uh, forget her, his the the assassin's wife, and their children. His wife repeatedly told him that he, uh, that his ruse of saying ten hell marys and tw- so he's still saying this ten hell marys and twenty our fathers that his uncle had passed on to him, which Julio continued to do after every murder was not proper rep- repentance. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Yeah, but it's religion is so fucking funny. It's just like. I could I committed like these horrible acts. Let me just do uh, say a couple words and just show that I I feel bad and I'm all good. It's all good. Mm. Um. So Santana was raised Catholic. He turned uh evangel. He turned to evangelical. I always have a hard time evangelical. Saying. Evangelical. I have a hard time saying so many other words. <laughs> turned to an evangelical cult to help him reform his ways. That's a good thing of a, of a cult to do. Um. 
So Santana had told the post, I've always believed in God. I believe that God gave me the strength to endure everything I suffered in my life because of the evil job. Because of that evil job, I know what I did was wrong. And so uh, he said that he was never, he was never, he has never told his adult children or his parents. uh, And his parents, like, they never told about his career and his parents have, like, passed away. Um, The article goes, today he lives in a quiet in a quiet, in a, he lives quietly in a town. He won't name him Brazil Interior. He refuses to have his full photo taken because he says none of his neighbors know about his past. He and his wife now own a small farm when he, where he grows vegetables, he said. At one point in his life, he took meticulous notes of each kill in a school notebook, writing down who had hired him, where the hit took place, and how much he was paid. He got to number 492 and just stopped logging in the deaths. So he's probably even more than 500. Yeah. That's so tiresome. Like, I, I would get bored of that. Of killing people? I don't think you'd get bored of that. 500? I don't think you'd get bored. You in particular would not get bored. What? We had a whole ass conversation. Ooh, don't share that. No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to share it. I'm just saying we had a whole ass conversation about this. I was pretty I was pretty animated when I told that story and I went to like crazy detail with it. I'm surprised you didn't pull over and was like get the fuck out. <laughs> geriatric cinematic of Osamu Dezaki's Gogo 13, The Professional. Leonard Dawson is the richest man in the world. Powerful people make enemies. If an enemy becomes a problem, someone calls The Professional. Codename, Gogo 13. Target, former Nazi SS captain, Bernard Mueller. I'll take the job. He never kills for sport. He never misses the mark. And he never gets involved. Can't you let this one go? But this time, it's personal. The hunter has become the hunted. This film came out in 1983, and the synopsis is, after killing the son of a powerful oil tycoon, an infamous hitman, is targeted by American governmental force, uh, forces and superhuman killers. Uh, directed by Osamu Tezaki, written by Shuke Nagasaka. Uh, stars Tetsuro Sagawa, um, Goro Naya, and Toshiko Fujita. This is a subtitled version. Subtitled version. That's correct. Um, and, th- and that's not by choice. You know, we're not. We're not. We're not two people who are like, we're not the type of people who are like, subs over dubs or some shit like that. We just found a subtitle version of it. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up actually watching um, the dub version. So that one sticks with me more. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember the acting. I don't know, like the voice acting work being so much better. Um, but yeah, Google 13, The Professional. Um, I believe I came across this because my brother had a VHA copy, VHS copy of this. Um, and I instantly fell in love with it. I thought, I thought the style was badass. Um, the fact that this was like one of the first animes to use like CGI or CG in their in their projects. Um, I thought the assassin 
Duke Togo or Gogo 13 was so fucking badass with his like M16 custom rifle and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very excited when they made a sequel to this, which is called Gogo 13 Queen Bee, uh, which is not as cool as the first one, but just, you know, it does the job. Um, How old were you when you saw this one? Uh, this this Gogo 13 movie? Mm-hmm. Um, was it came out in 83? saw in the mid i was in the early 90s so i might have been like 13 or something like that when i watched this this anime mm. i got to anime like at a really early in the early, early 90s you were probably 10 no 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 um that's what i'm saying like early to mid 90s um because oh. i i was i i know i wasn't 10 while watching and watching this i one. think you just like dim a lot for the boobs too there are some boobs lots well like look uh, the puberty Puberty. You try to get. I mean, now you can go online and see boobs just by Google imaging. Boobs. You just type in boobs. Just <laughs> boobs, you know. But but back then, you had to work with what you got. Um. Anyway. Yeah, looking at your friends' moms. None of my friends' moms were hot enough. Well, there was maybe one. That was Todd. His mom was pretty cute. I used to crack jokes about like eating her ass or something like that. Anyway. <laughs> No one gives a shit about my opinion. What's the most important part is, what does Kelsey think about this uh, movie? Sorry. <laughs> what does Kelsey think about in general? Huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm on the fence about this one. Okay. All right. All right. I remember uh, showing you the trailer for this, and you're like, this looks cool. Like, you, you and, seem and it, really invested into it. Yeah, and it does look cool. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's, it's kind of stilted with its writing, mm-hmm. and it's very cr- gratuitous with the naked women or like having sex, and he's just like, looks like he's not enjoying it at all. Yeah, as a as a as a badass, you would act like that. No, it's it doesn't even <laughs> seem it doesn't even seem like he can't enjoy things because he's an assassin. It just seems like he's like. Dead. Like, like, just, like just dead, dead. on the inside. Yeah, like yeah. he's doing it more for the women yeah. than himself. Mm. Like, I don't know about that. Okay, so I And it's, it was hard to follow the story. Okay. Go ahead. So I, I'll admit that like the Gogo 13 character is in my opinion, he's only like badass when he's being a badass. If he's doing anything else, he just got that stern straight face of I hit the mic again. He's got that stern <laughs> straight face of like like just, just like, like John Wick. Like no, but see, at least John Wick, you get like, a, yeah, maybe not, or something like that, or you know, um, what did he say? Um, well, I'm trying to remember what he says in the chapter four. He says, "I'm he he said I might need a gun." He says like, "Oh, I'm gonna need a gun." <laughs> While Du Togo is like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will admit that like. He does get like that. Like, he does very, like, stilted and, like, emotionless. Um, when he's just doing anything else. But, like, the, to me, the selling point is, like, when he's doing the kills or he's, like, trying to get away and shit like that. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, like, the twist with the uh, the father. Oh, the, the fact that, like, the son hired... Uh, the father, whose son was murdered, the son had hired Goa Thirteen to like, kill him because he wanted he because he com- couldn't do it himself. Yeah, he could commit suicide. Yeah. Um. It's like 
like I kind of, I think that's one of the redeeming things about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like him giving up his daughter-in-law to Snake. Oh yeah, it just shows how much of a. Um, that's the thing, cause like the movie kind of like leads to this, leads into this idea of like, Goku Thirteen is like the monster, cause he's killing all these people, right? Mm-hmm. But like, like in the end, it's like no, the the guy, um, what was his name, Lord, uh, Leonard Dawson? He's the fucking monster. Yeah, but like, so what I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is mm-hmm. that, um, some of his motives don't make sense, like. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, you lost the son, you loved him. You're determined to, like... But honestly, mm-hmm. everything you're doing right now makes me think you were trash to begin with. Yeah. And also, like, if you loved your son, wouldn't you want to honor his memory by not, you know, giving his wife to the fucking guy who's going to rape her and, like, yeah. teaching your granddaughter how to kill people? Yeah, I mean, I, and, that, and that's the thing. I, I think that was the point or that that was in what that was supposed to be within the writing of like you don't really get an uh uh background of leonard dawson other than that he was an immigrant he like clawed his way up to like create his own business and like all that and he's like a multi-billionaire or whatever but i think like the the point like the, with the writing they were like trying to give like these hints of like no he's like really trash we don't have to go into full detail of why he's trash but he's doing x y and z so he must be like a horrible person and why Essentially, like, the son killed himself. Yeah, that didn't stick the landing for me. Okay, that's understandable. I, I get a, I like, I do get a yeah. sense that they're writing, mm. like, they want you to know that he's trash. Yeah. But he, they went too hard at it. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. And so, like, you can get a sense of the trashness mm-hmm. by not over-exhibiting this crazy shit. Yeah. Which I feel like takes away from it a bit. Because then you're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, this doesn't really make that much sense. That makes sense, yeah. So, uh, is he really that bad, or is it just bad writing? I can, yeah, I, I can see your argument. I can see your yeah. argument. I mean, all, uh, also, like, this film is not really known for, like, for the writing. Yeah. Like, no. I, like, I, like, I'll admit that. It's known for the style and the boobs. <laughs> yeah, the style and the boobs. Actually, I will say, they are very nicely drawn boobs, because... <laughs> Anime boobs are not great. Well, of that time. Yeah. That I've seen. Yeah, anime boobs used to look weird. Yeah. Like the like the 80s anime boobs. They, they look like... Sometimes they look like there was like hair underneath it. Yeah. And then like the recent anime boobs just mm-hmm. look very like like fake boobs. Uh-huh. But the ones in this this movie, mm-hmm. they look authentic. Yeah. Like, a, like a even, an evil, even uh, display of like boobage and like physics and stuff like that. Well, not just the physics, but I mean, they look like they didn't get a boob job. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. You know, we're talk- supposed to be talking about the anime, but we're talking about anime boobs instead. There's boobs in the anime. <laughs> the boobs the boobs in the anime pushes the plot forward. They do. <laughs> they actually do. <laughs> they play a very important role. <laughs> um, Apparently, because, you know, we can't get away from them. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, like... I mean, if you really, if you really think about it, this movie, I, I guess, I guess why I like this movie more so than you is like this movie, this anime is clearly catered to like men and like men who want to be like cool and like adventurous and like this like and fuck everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's like and like, everyone wants to fuck him. Like 
the 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 creator of Gogo Thirteen has admitted before that he was like, yeah, this character is created specifically like influ- is specifically influenced by like James Bond, which makes like complete sense. Yeah, I guess. Well, like think about it. James Bond is like this guy. He's like this cool like. He has like this cool demeanor. He looks like slick as shit. All the women want him. He gets the job done. He can never be killed. You know, he's like looking cool while getting away and stuff like that. It's it's a straight James Bond. James Bond has uh, a very suave and like debonair air about him. Yeah, Gogo Thirteen too. Gogo Thirteen <laughs> is a blunt object. He's a suave blunt object. No. No, I know it is. Okay, my round. <laughs> um, okay, what did you at least think of the style of, of the anime? The style was great. <laughs> okay, I mean, I can't like explain it that well. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in, any any but it, particular, it like kind of fits that Neo Tokyo thing you were talking about. Uh, kind of. I I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Neo Tokyo because Neo Tokyo is more of a futuristic kind of thing. Um. You know what? I take the back. I can't see some of the DNA of it. Like, That's what I mean. Like, like like the city shots and the angles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even like some of the like the lighting. It's kind of a reminder of of Neo Tokyo. Well, they had like billboard signs and stuff too, like Super Beer or whatever it was called. Oh yeah, yeah. The the American building had Super Beer. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> um. <laughs> so one of the things I really did love though was mm. the um when they're like, oh, we're gonna be on these buildings and we're trying to like figure out where he's going to be assassinating this person from. And he was in a completely different building and he shot through the windows of the Uh buildings to shoot the guy. (laughs) I think out of the entire movie, I think that is like my favorite scene where they're like, yeah, he's he's not going to be this building because another building's in front of it. It'd be ridiculous. And he does the shot. (laughs) And even like when he gets away, it's pretty fucking cool because he has like that souped up, I think it's like a souped up what is it? It's like a souped-up car, but I can't remember what kind of car it is. Um, but yeah, he's like gets he like he's like driving through. I think he's supposed to be driving through like San Francisco or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's got that souped-up car. They're like chasing after him. He's like one step ahead. Um, and it, look, it looks badass. Even when he's like shifting gears, it's like the camera is like the style of like adrenaline, like inducing kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think like out of all that, that's like my favorite action scene. Um, there's a there's an animated series of of Google Thirteen. I think it's like a hundred hundred episodes or hundred twenty seven. Every episode is him him doing a hit, and it him figuring out a way how to do a hit, like a, a special different way or some shit like that. A, a difficult task that he has to figure out how like to like Columbo, but <laughs> yeah, but with, with an assassin, with an assassin. Hold up here, hold up. You know. Matter of fact, you know, because Columbo demeanor with like a rifle and shit like that. You know, I was thinking of going at this angle while shooting you. Okay, one degree to the left. Exactly, exactly. Um, Okay, so what? Okay, now I had mentioned earlier this is like one of the first animes to have CG in it, Um, which I and I know it's dated. It's like eighty three. But what what do you think of the CG that this the mixture of like CG and anime? So I'm gonna tell you that I am not advanced enough to know what the difference is. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen enough of it. 
Oh, it okay. just to me looks like really great drawing. Okay. And I'm like, this looks great. I don't know how they fucking did it. Mm-hmm. The like some of the like the sh- sun shining off the buildings and stuff. Mm-hmm. I at no point thought this was CG because it doesn't look like it to me. No, no. There, there's one. There's one particular part that's clearly CJ. CJ. <laughs> CG, and it's when it's when Gogo Thirteen is like um, sieging on the building, the, the Leonard Dawson business building, mm-hmm. and you see the helicopters coming in. Oh, yeah, that, that's clearly CJ. that was the weird fucking scene. That, now I remember. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Horrible. Yeah, that's the thing. It, Horrendous. It, yeah, it does look dated, but I have to I have to at least applaud the the creative team because they were trying something new. They were trying something different. OK, well, hear me out. Hear me out. It would put forth the advancement of CG in anime in such films like um, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell is a great example with CG and anime mixed together. Mm, I get you. I mean, you have to take baby steps. You can't just be like Avatar the Way of Water. I, I just at the don't understand why they did it for one scene. Probably, probably because it was something they had never tried, that they had never done. They were like, well, let's try it and see how it looks. You know? And they probably they, thought it looked great at the time. Hey, it was 1983. I'm sure they thought it looked phenomenal. Especially because uh, the TVs of that time were pretty fuzzy. I mean, also, you gotta think about the, the movie Tron. Back mm. then, Tron was like, uh, was amazing. People were pissed off. It was not nominated for an Oscar mm. back then. Now you watch Tron, you're like, ugh. <laughs> ugh. Like, people like this shit? Yeah, same thing with Green Book. No, just fuck that movie. <laughs> Um. All right. Uh, since we're coming to a close, mm-hmm. uh, Kelsey, do you think this movie, this anime, holds up? Uh, I'm gonna say no. Okay. I still think it's worth watching if you like anime and you want to know mm-hmm. more, like, like the older stuff. The older stuff, yeah. like the style of it, is fucking phenomenal, except for the CG part. Mm-hmm. Um, like some of it, I don't even know how they did some of it. Like mm-hmm. it looks fucking great. Yeah. Um, so if you want to see that, um, if you're a guy, you'll probably like it. I'm a guy. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, I'm a guy. Endorse this message. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but I don't think a lot of people will like it. Yeah, it's, it's very of its time. A lot of the stuff is very, like, misogynistic and shit like that. Um... And like like Kelsey has said, and how I admit it, yeah, yeah, the the plot is like can be convoluted and dull at times. Um, but it, it's it's a movie it's a movie worth watching just because like the style and you want to see like how how far anime has advanced over time. Like mm-hmm. there's like there's there's almost like these decades of like anime. There's like an eighties style. There's like eighties anime. There's night. There's like mid to like. I'm sorry, early to like mid '90s anime, and then like advanced anime in the later '90s, and then like the odds and like where anime is now. Which I'm not a huge fan of current anime because it looks some of it looks too polished. That's what like, I'm too saying. Too clean. I'm just like, eh, or I don't know, like some of the animes I watched back then, like this one, Vampire Hunter D, Empty Guys, uh, Rojin Z, um, even like Pat Labor and stuff like that, Marco Cross. Uh, I'm sorry, Matt Cross Plus. It's very like grimy and very like this is 
crazy. This is blowing my mind, stuff like that. Mm. Where other animations like, this looks cool and flashy. Blah! You know, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely they sound like um, like a bro dog Dracula. Yeah. Blah! Blah, dog! <laughs> and that's not knocking people who love current anime. It's just... Or Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's just not for me. Um, yeah. The new anime, you mean? Yeah, the new anime is just... This movie is for you. You oh, like seeing totally. women get raped. <laughs> Fuck. All right, that's going to be our show for this week. <laughs> Especially like to thank the folks over at Ear Entertainment Corner for... Uh, oh, we want to thank everybody for joining us. There you go. Uh, wait, wait, I wanted to add something. What do you want to add? I wanted to walk that back because you seemed uncomfortable by no, that. No, it's okay. Just accuse me of that shit. Whatever. No, because you don't actually like uh, movies that are like that. Yes, that's correct. That is correct. That is that's correct. why you don't like The Hills Have Eyes, because you're like, fuck that Yo, shit. Yo, fuck that movie. This is unnecessary shit. Yeah. Okay, now you can <sighs> Okay, anyway. So, yeah, that's going to be our show for this week. We want to thank everybody for joining us on this week's show. Uh, we especially like to thank the folks over at Your Entertainment Corner for hosting this podcast on their website. Um, Judy, if you're listening, you know, hello. It's good seeing you again at WonderCon. Hopefully we can... Uh, all get together and grab a meal. Um, hope you're feeling better too. Ooh, IKEA sounds good. What you say? Their meatballs sound good. IKEA. <laughs> yeah, Judy, let's get together to eat IKEA's meatballs. <laughs> Maybe Mark will actually get to eat a cake this time. Oh, you ate that cake too. <laughs> Someone I like say I, I had my cake and ate it too. I blinked and that cake was gone. <laughs> Um, yeah, for all your film news, TV news, and reviews, check out yourentertainmentcorner.com. Uh, don't be afraid to drop us a line at therealappeal at gmail.com. That's uh, real with two E's. Uh, you can find our podcast wherever podcasts can be found and, you know, get us a review or, you know, uh, re- you know, review our, po- <laughs> review our podcast on those podcast catchers. Um, simple. It's a simple thing, too. Just like five-star review. That's it. It takes like five seconds. Not even that. That's it. Done. Um, so next week... Oh, you put it in there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. I barely saw the... T- <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next week, uh, next week's show, we're going to be reviewing um, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Um, it hits theaters Friday, March 31st. Um, our geriatric cinematic will be Willow, 1988, which is currently streaming on uh, Disney+. Plus. It's available to rent on Apple TV, Google Play, YouTube TV, and other VOD service. <laughs> oh my god, Kelsey came up with this. <laughs> <laughs> the topic for next week's show is Nobody Puts Baby in a Dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I I I uh, shot my shot there. Oh, you shot your shot and you landed that shit. Well, no, but what I'm saying is, what the fuck am I supposed to do for a title now? Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you screwed. You screwed yourself. <laughs>